Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you know what time it is. It is wrestling chat with friends. As always, I am Megan Rickman Blackwood, your favorite heel and heels. And I am joined by Cheats, two belts, even though he doesn't have any of his belts right now. I didn't now. bring the belts right now because our guest that? has belts in the background and I knew he, he was going to be flossing and my toy belts yeah. aren't going to be the same, even it though, you know, I. I got a lot of toy belts, but the toy belts don't stack belts. up to the belts in the case. So I didn't yeah, do Will's like four belts. I think he's got you by two. I'm, I'm not. He's got me by, look. Actually, before- there's in the vicinity, to be honest, there's one, two, three, four, five. There's seven. Seven belts in the see, vicinity. You know what I'm saying? You can't even see, look, we can't even see the tag title. Look, look. Oh, we, we haven't even introduced him. He's stunting on us already. We got, we got to work on this. We got to work on this. I'm going to go ahead and put him on. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so pleased tonight to have one of the three hosts for Grapsity on Fightful.com, Will Washington. Welcome to WCWF Wrestling Chat welcome, with Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me, Cheats. Thank you for having me, Megan. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> we are excited to have you. Now, something we always do, we all have our gimmicks, right? I'm your favorite heel and heels. He he goes back and forth between me and Cheat the Cheater and uh, Cheat's Two Belts. Uh, So what's your gimmick? Honestly, no gimmicks. Uh, My (laughs) my gimmick is guy who has a ridiculous encyclopedic memory of pro wrestling. That's me. Okay. I like it. I like it. So you're Will the Brain Washington. There you go. There you go. Okay, cool. See, if you don't have one, we'll give you one. We that was strong. The bra- it's like Rucker Park. You got to get a tagline. You got to get a tagline. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, well, the way we start every week is um, we talk about what we're popping for. What got us the most excited about wrestling this week? What really, like, did it for us and got the biggest pop out of us? And um, for me, I'm going to go ahead and start because I have to. It is the return of John Moxley. Oh, first off early contender for promo of the year it was bananas the truth the honesty the way he even started shutting down the fan like it was so very moxley i love that jr was like well he hadn't changed much no he hasn't welcome back john moxley cheats what did it for you this week what are you popping for so i kind of told this story a little bit off the air but the reason we have our illustrious guest will uh will washington on the show is because over the weekend I checked out the debut of Terminus and Terminus, the wrestling promotion. They had their first show in Atlanta. uh, And I was able to kind of check out what wrestling fans were online talking about it. And Will was talking about it. And and, and I discovered him and discovered all the work he was doing. But my, my pop of the week, my absolute pop of the week has to be what Terminus did in their debut in Atlanta. Main event was, Jonathan Gresham, Josh Alexander. But what really got me excited, what really got me excited about this promotion, the indie wrestling scene uh, and what they're doing is one, the diversity. The first thing you looked at across the board was how diverse racially, uh, how diverse gender, like it was just amazing. And you were able to see certain wrestlers really, really work um, and chances that you didn't get, to, you know, you might not be able to see on TV, whether it was AEW or Impact or Ring of Honor. I was really, it was my, really my first time, not my first time, but it's awesome to see a Daniel Garcia in a position where he's the A side, 
Like he's the guy that people want to see in a match. It was awesome to see Lee Moriarty in a, in a, in a, in a opportunity where he could really go for 15 minutes as opposed to what he would get on AEW air, um, which is great. But so it was great to see that obviously um, what they did with the main event uh, was great. It was great to see Bandit. Like it was just great to see what Terminus did. And then at the end, spoiler alert, uh, Alexander Gresham go to a draw, you know, obviously strong performance, but then our boy Santana pops out and says next month, he's challenging Jonathan Gresham at Terminus. They already announced other big names for Terminus. It was just a really, really exciting indie promotion. Um, So that's what I'm popping for this week. Long answer. That's what I was popping for. I'm on board for it. Um, I can't wait to check it out. I've had a crazy week at work, but I have been like slowly dipping back into to the other shows. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. All right, Will. So what was your big pop for the week? I'm with you, Megan. It was Moxley. Uh, I hate to steal an answer, but, um, you know, John Moxley is he's my son's favorite wrestler. I have to throw that out there. Uh, and just seeing how good he looked um yeah. and and how much he he just looked healthy and it was just amazing to see it was like he just looked renewed and yeah. uh i i honestly him having his hair back was my pop of the week to be right. honest <laughs> not even a problem it was just, right. with you. It was just with i didn't you. even know he had it still I'm right and just seeing his hair back and seeing him Yo. looking like John Moxley, like to me, we if you ask me like prime John Moxley, either Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, mm-hmm. I would say like the way he looked at double or nothing the, when he made yeah. that debut um, in 2019, like that to me is prime John Moxley, right? He was cut. He was, uh, mm-hmm. he had the beard, he had the short hair, like he just had the look together, right? And I feel like it was nice to see him kind of back there again. And, uh, but still, on the mic, he was still John Moxley all the oh. way. It Can't was complain beautiful. about that. It was that's actually our that's our A block. That's what we're talking about first. Um, and I think that A, yes, he looked amazing. Um, I saw you got that the post that everybody had that it was like you know him like a couple of weeks. Well, I guess back in October, right? And then him mm. now, and he looks like he is like taken ten years off of his look. Um, he is so like. He's just compact and clean. Um, But for me, I think like something that was really touching to see was, I mean, of course, like I sobbed through the promo because I'm a lady and I love John Moxley. So I cried, but I do think there was some manly tears shed around the building as well. Um, But uh, I don't know, like afterwards, just like on Reddit and Twitter, like so many people were like, I'm Moxley's inspired me. I'm going to get sober or like, I've got like, there was a lady that was like, I've suffered from an eating disorder for like 10 years and I I have never told anybody, but like, this is like inspired me to like, you know, get, get some help and like figure some stuff out. Um, Will, do you think we've seen a promo this honest and raw before in wrestling? Um, not entirely. And I think the thing I liked about it, because I feel like everybody has been conditioned when watching pro wrestling to expect things like this to turn into an angle, um, to turn into a storyline. We were waiting for somebody to interrupt, to, to, yeah. uh, to basically rain on John Moxley's parade. Mm-hmm. And the one thing AEW's gotten right in this, uh, in the last year when it comes to this type of thing uh, 
is just letting the guys do this on the way they want to do it and then storyline it later. Uh, yeah. Because like there is a storyline for John Moxley, you know, Brian Danielson is like the built in feud for him, but uh, for now he needed to get that out. He needed to get it out in a very raw emotional way, in a way that only John Moxley can uh, in a way that was genuine. And the other time I was referring to is of course, CM Punk's return where CM Punk got to just speak from the heart. No one cut him off. There wasn't an immediate storyline. He just came out to speak to the fans and speak in a very raw way. What I also loved was, um, so they were in Washington, DC for dynamite this week. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was a sold out venue. It was, uh, the entertainment in sports arena. Um, yeah, where, um, where of course the mystics play, uh, now smaller venue, but I've always said that, uh, 4,000 fans in a 4,000 seat venue, looks and sounds better to me than five or what 6,000 fans in a 20,000 seat venue, which is what they had last week, which they had more last week. They had more fans. They had kind of their average of 6,000 fans, Mm -hmm. but they did it in a 20,000 seat venue. Looked like hell this week. They had 4,000, 4,000 seat venue looked sounded way better. But the point I was making here was that none of that mattered because as rowdy as this crowd was, you could hear a pin drop when John Moxley spoke because everybody wanted to hear what he had to say, except for that one guy that John Moxley addressed. But uh, other than that, and that's the reason we could hear him, right? Because like everybody was like, okay, quiet. The man's about to speak. Let's hear him. And I loved how quiet it got because to me, it was like everybody was ready to just hang on his words and hear what he had to say. Yeah. That was something that struck me. was like the silence between like the words. It was like it I think it made it like there's so many moments where guys are talking and like they want to chant or they want to be a part of you know wrestling fans we want to yeah. oh Cody's promo it. was was that yeah yeah <laughs> but, so it's like and there's always like the smarks that are like I'm gonna say something wild but there was that guy right at the beginning which I don't know if that guy was a plant or not but like how perfect of a John oh, no, not, come back <laughs> yeah. oh no he wasn't like if you ever met Mox like it is amazing how just like raw he is and how just like responsive he is like uh my son met him at a meet and greet um i took my son to meet him at a meet and greet just a few months ago and uh my son like hates wild thing as a theme right like moxley's his favorite wrestler hates wild thing and billy walks right up to him and is just like uh john can you go back to unscripted violence as a theme song and like his immediate response is just like Oh, I'm not in control of that. You got to ask Tony Khan that. <laughs> and he's like, I had nothing to do with that. I just come out to whatever they play. And, <laughs> and it was just like a great, just like quick response though. And um, I, I recognize that I think instinctively the way John responded and the way that uh, obviously it was a way that you can't do on network television, but he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think like, and you, you could hear what the guy said. It was something like somebody called garbage man to get this uh, piece of garbage out of the ring. Yeah, yeah, get, get this trash out of the ring. Yeah. And, uh, and like John stopped in his tracks, addressed the guy, get him out of here. And then, uh, and then get back to the He said promo. something before that. I don't believe he just said, get him out of here. That's true. <laughs> well, I think like that's where like Mox, like that's where he shines. And like this guy came up in like, 
I think it's something to be said about the fact that it was a small arena, right? Because like Mox came up in gyms, you know, going in yeah. front of like eight guys, right? And it was like eight drunk guys that like didn't want to be there. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> had wandered in off the streets and we're like, oh, we're at a wrestling show. So like, I don't think there is, it, it's hard for me to think of someone else who is such a good performer in a live setting that like, like Mox can go with anything, anything that happens. He's like, he's just ready to go. I just spotted the butcher on your shirt, by the way. And, <laughs> I always yeah, wear like okay. a weird wrestling shirt. This is like one of my faves. Nice. <laughs> I think Butch is crazy good. I love him. And the fact that he's like, that he comes off the road, like he's on tour and then he comes and just does like a couple of shows and then it's goes so back great. out on the road. It's amazing. Um, okay, so uh, speaking of music, right? Because Butch is, is obviously the the front for a uh, a band. Will you're working on a project right now, aren't you? I am. Uh, literally, I right before we started, like right I, It's not even like a working on like right now in like the vague sense. Like right this second, actively, actively working on right this moment, and I'm pausing from that uh, to talk to you guys. Yeah. Um, Tell us about it. Tell us what you're doing. Uh, so uh, I suppose I should speak more on the project itself, uh, which is a project titled Who We Are. Um, and it is a music project uh, for All Elite Wrestling um, in which uh, Black producers around wrestling media um, were all kind of contacted, corralled, and uh and not just producers musicians anybody who's music adjacent and also uh is involved in pro wrestling um was asked to be a part of this project and uh we were approached about two months ago to um produce music for uh telling the stories of the black pro wrestlers in all elite wrestling and I, this was like a dream come true for me, right? Like I, I've had music heard in pro wrestling. I, I contributed to one theme in WWE that I don't think ever got used. Um, mm. It was an NXT theme. Uh, you'd be surprised how much music they just like bank for guys they're going to call up yeah. or just uh, to put on TV. Um, and then I, I contributed to Sammy Guevara's theme. Uh, but as far as like a original production for myself, I haven't gotten to do anything like that. Right. So I was excited. I wanted to jump on. Um, I don't rap, but I do, I do make beats. I do produce every podcast I've ever done for the last 17 years. Um, had music that was done by me. And so I was excited and uh, there's, there's a number of guys involved. The list of names is already out there. There's some that haven't been announced that are going to be some cool surprises, but uh, as far as, uh, guys like Josiah Williams and then uh, my co-host from Grapsity, Righteous Reg, which is a theme song on Grapsity. Um, he's uh, he's going to be involved as well. And uh, it's just, it's a really exciting time. And I was really excited about the project and I'm still really excited about the project. Um, I've got, uh, I can't even say how many songs I've got on there, but it's more than one. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm laying down the instrumentals and uh, working with some great artists. Uh, to help tell the stories of the talent in AEW, because there's some great talent in AEW as far as um, their Black talent is concerned. And uh, 
and just getting to hear the stories of Jade Cargill and Red Velvet and uh, the acclaimed. Um, I, I will say, because it's already confirmed, Max Caster has an original song on it and it's not a diss track. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's an original song by Max Caster that's going to surprise a lot of people um, and really show how much more depth he has than people thought. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a really cool project. Uh, who we are. By, super super dope yeah super dope sounds super really cool comes out in february it was uh it, it was it's going to be a a black history month project um and that's what it was intended for um i don't think you know it, it was kind of a surprise to us that this got put out there because we weren't intending to make any announcements until february um mm-hmm. but uh mark henry uh put it out there in an interview um and he was just speaking <laughs> just from mm-hmm. the heart as Mark does. And yeah. Mark just kind of just casually dropped it uh, that this album was in the works. And so uh, at this point, it, it it became necessary to address exactly what the project is going to be and who's involved in it. And yeah, uh, I am involved in that. Super dope. Yeah, that's super exciting. We can't wait to, to hear what you're working on, to hear what you guys come up with. Um, and I will vouch for Max Caster. I always jump on, like, he gets on, like, uh, producer and rapper, like, Twitter live things. Like, you know how they have he the does. little, like, yeah. rooms now? <laughs> like, I, I, whenever I see it, I jump in and, like, he'll drop bits and pieces of a track. And I'm like, oh, shit, Max Caster can rap. Like, I just... Yeah. Like, I mean, he can rap, but like, he can rap. <laughs> like, right. Well, you know, the funny driving. thing was he was doing the, because, uh, you know, he was doing original songs for a long time. That was his whole shtick was that he was doing wrestling and original songs. And then he, uh, the pandemic kind of like really worked out for him because he was working AEW Dark uh, through those like really large tapings where they were doing like 20 matches an episode. Yeah. And uh, so he was working those big dark tapings. And just to add a little flavor to his own match, it was a match he had taped like a month prior, right? He does, uh, uh, he does an original song on Sean Spears. Uh, and that was the first one. It was the, I'm not perfect, but neither are you, but I'm better <laughs> in the ring. You can see that it's true. Yeah, so he did that song. And that was like the first time people had eyes on him all of a sudden because mm-hmm. it was a match he had already recorded. It was a match he had already lost. But uh like to add intrigue to it he did an original song and then he came back did another original song and that was where of course that led to uh tony khan having the idea of putting him with anthony bowens and that led to the acclaimed uh which was the original name for the inner circle uh and um and then they uh but they still had the the name in their back pocket so they gave it to those two and yeah but like the thing that Max Caster like specialized at was the original songs, which, you know, he just did the one on Sting and Darby last week. Um, he had the uh, one on my the- children have been running around singing, especially the 14 year old. He's like, yeah, full length video. It was genius. It was yeah. Really but then so last good. year he had last year he had the Buck Hunt. <laughs> yeah, he had Buck Hunt. He had the uh, the John Moxie Yala all talk. Um, and the original songs, I think, are where Max Caster shines. Um, mm. You know, he does the 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 one-off raps before his matches, um, which are okay. But I feel like the original songs are, like, really what Max Caster brings to the table. And uh, I, I can't wait for people to hear what he brings to the table um, for the AEW album. I'm super amped up about it. And I, I can't wait. 
Because like I said, like I jump in the things. And what's funny is, is like most of them, like people don't even know who he is. He's like, oh, I wrestle and I rap. And like, then he'll like drop something. And I'm like, like, do this, do this. <laughs> yes. your, your fun little raps are fun, but like do this instead. He started um, doing he, some TMZ stuff too, right? Yeah. Like he he did the TMZ stuff. stuff. Yeah. The yeah. problem with the TMZ stuff for, because he was doing that for a little bit. And then uh, I don't think he's done it in a few months because I'm okay. pretty sure TMZ so TMZ was originally owned by Warner Media, which uh, is the, also the owners of uh, TBS and TNT. So they had kind of a working relationship. But TMZ just recently, a few months ago, sold to Fox, oh, who, okay. of course, yeah. has SmackDown. I just, so, <laughs> I just remember thinking he lyrically got a little bit looser on those because there was like yeah, three styles he where he was a little bit more like, oh, I'm going to go in. And I was mm-hmm. like, I remember seeing those and being like, yo, Max can flow like he can he can go. Yeah. I'm definitely like that's like a it's always surprising and so I really am looking forward to the project because I think a lot of people like think he's just like it's like his gimmick right but like I think this is like if you hear him talk about it outside of the wrestling ring like this is something he really loves so I think this project in and of itself is going to give him a chance to shine give you guys a chance to shine um and I'm just really happy that like it's it's celebrating black stories I think that's uh something that we're missing uh we all know uh, a few weeks ago we had the the big swole dust up. Uh, so that was my big panic the moment that happened. And yeah. uh, I know I mentioned on Grapsity that um, that I had spoken to Tony Khan um, as far as uh, before and after the tweet. Um, and so my perspective on that is a little bit um, not quite the same as most people's, um, yeah. but. I will say that the uh, that was my big panic uh, with the moment that happened. I thought this is all going to look now like a response to Re- that look, tweet. Look reactionary. Yeah, it's going to look reactionary. Uh, I, I knew it. I knew the second it happened. I And I had hoped for a moment that I was like, OK, just let like a month go by. And I appreciate like everybody kind of we all kind of reached out to each other like the night that everything went down and um, we're like, are we still good with this? We're still good with the project. Like we still have we're doing something really good here and uh, there's some great stories to tell. And this may even be a better time to tell the stories now uh, because it's now more important than ever for these stories to be heard. Um, but yeah, I will say that caused a lot of initial panic amongst pretty much everybody on the project of like, you know, we've, uh, this shouldn't dominate. We don't want this to dominate the conversation around the album. And, uh, and it kind of has, uh, we'll see how that goes in February. Yeah. Well, um, that's something that I actually appreciated about y'all's podcast when I looked over, um, you know, obviously you guys were at the Terminus show, um, and you guys really center a lot of, uh, what you're talking about, what you're posting around black wrestlers and, and just celebrating those stories, celebrating diversity. Um, so let's talk for a minute. Cause we all know historically what WWE has, has done with their black talent and how they've treated them. Um, do you think AEW is doing a better job? Like, are they doing a better job of being, you know, having like descriptive representation, real representation? Um, we kind of go back and forth about this quite often <laughs> on this Pretty podcast. much every episode. Every episode uh, comes up. <laughs> okay. Um, let's open this one up. So, okay. I believe that uh, 
WWE's um, gotten better with representation. And I think that um, in a very short-sighted way, yes, WWE, I think WWE handles um, representation better than really anybody in the sense that um, they, their top acts, uh, as a matter of fact, for over the last year, uh, every championship match on pay-per-view for the WWE title uh, going back to last January has been uh, main evented by, or has been, has had a black person in the WWE championship match. Now only one of those matches actually closed out a pay-per-view, but uh, nonetheless, um, they have had uh, some solid representation there. And also a black woman won the Royal rumble last year and the main evented night one of WrestleMania last year. Like all of this stuff is, is, phenomenal yeah, facts, and yeah. it is so much progress that we haven't seen uh and, and it all happened it's all happened in a very short amount of time going back to Kofi that was only three years ago uh and thinking about the the gaps we had had with black talent for so long I think um it should be commended that WWE has gotten that right I think WWE's issues still exist in that their worst instincts uh still come through I don't think WWE knows necessarily how not to stereotype um i think that uh i have uh and i mentioned this on uh, another podcast i'd done earlier today but uh so sorry if you're following me and i'm repeating points but the you know i look at like somebody like apollo cruz last year um and you know he debuted his his gimmick and i had reservations about that from the moment it showed up because i always have a problem with using ethnicity as a gimmick um and that's still very much wwe's instincts they've they've done that when they've had native american wrestlers they do that and it's not just they're non-white wrestlers right they use uh you know when they have somebody scottish they're like okay you need to come out with with, (laughs) yeah you need to come out with bagpipes and you need to have Mm -hmm. um uh you need to wear a kilt and if they have somebody irish then you know, they have to, to be a beer drinker. And like, I, even still, I, I feel like at least with the Irish wrestlers, they've gotten a little bit better. Cause like Finn Balor is not like a, a, um, a, a drunk leprechaun. <laughs> yeah. He's not a drunk leprechaun. Right. But like, <laughs> uh, so, but as far as um, ethnicity is concerned, it should never be a gimmick, uh, especially with heels, because I always have the problem with the idea that a heel is designed to get you to dislike their gimmick. That's that's what they're supposed to be by nature. And so when your ethnicity is your gimmick and you're conditioning fans to dislike you based on your gimmick, you're conditioning the fans to dislike that ethnicity. That And so I've always had a problem with stereotype gimmicks in that regard. And I feel like those are still WWE's instincts. And I really want them to back off of that uh, and... Um, I don't know if that's ever going to happen um, because it's especially bad with their uh, their Asian talent. Oh, my God. Uh, the Japanese schoolgirl gimmick. Uh, yeah. So Saray, of course, doing a Japanese schoolgirl gimmick. Ja- jacket time is like the worst thing I, I, I've ever <laughs> seen. Um, and of course, you took Akira Tozawa, world renowned talent. Uh, and he is currently a ninja on Monday Night Raw um, running around chasing a belt. Uh and it's just a reminder that there's still work to be done as far as they're concerned. I think AEW's issues more so lie in representation as a whole. I think that um, 
I feel better about uh, who is represented and how they are represented. Um, the uh, as far as AEW is concerned, I do feel like there's a little more authenticity. I don't feel like anybody in AEW is a stereotype. I don't feel like anybody is necessarily a gimmick. Um, I do think that uh, there needs to be uh, more. I think that the uh, especially on the male talent side, uh, toward the upper end of the card, there hasn't there there's been one black challenger for the AEW World Championship, which was Scorpio Sky, Scorpio Sky. which happened in uh, November of 2019. So yep. uh, it's it's been a while. Um, and I said on Grapsity when talking about where I feel like uh, what I feel like black fans need to see, because I I personally don't necessarily need i think it's very short-sighted to just say um give me a black world champion because i recognize that aew long-term books i recognize that the first four world champions were planned from the day the company launched so i'm not saying give me a black world champion tomorrow what i am saying though is that i think there needs to be a little bit more um hand-holding was the term i used on um on Grapsity and that uh, fans need their hands held. Fans, when AEW launched, Chris Jericho was champion. But the AEW did a really good job of kind of assuring you Kenny Omega's time is coming, right? You felt as you were watching the show, you know he's going to get the title. Sure, there were a couple of buffoons on social media who were like, Kenny Omega's underutilized. But you knew just watching the show, this guy's going to get his title win. You knew when Kenny got his title, you knew watching the show, Hangman's up next. You just knew it while watching it because the show did a great job of holding your hand to knowing who's up next. You know, just watching this show, MJF is up next. You know, just watching this show that Adam Cole's probably the next challenger. You know that just by watching the show. And I feel like I didn't name anybody black there. Uh, And that is where I feel like it's missing. I don't necessarily need to know. I don't necessarily need a black champion right away, but it would help me to know that you're behind any of your black talent. It would help me to know that um, some of the black talent is having their, uh, their pushes on the way, because I do think, and granted, um, I think the timing is, is going just fine for somebody like powerhouse Hobbs. I know I hear people say like, they should have pushed him before. Like, look at that dude compared to a year ago. That guy is so So much cleaner. So yeah, he is, he has come so far in a year that no, I wouldn't have done that a year ago. I wouldn't have done that. (laughs) Like not even close. Uh, But I I do recognize, I see the progress with him. I can see that um, when I talk about the hand holding, I do see that they are obviously very into Dante Martin. Um, yeah. He's got about five years though. Like he's, yeah, he's I know. Not, he's really young, right? really young, really he's young. He's a baby. Yeah. He's you know, coming, but he's coming like, they're really putting time and energy. And I think you're right with like the long-term booking and like, you can tell who's a year or two out like right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I think like, like somebody like Dante, I mean, we're looking longer, right? Like, you know, four to five years probably until he's like super ready to go. But no, I don't know. I think it's a solid I did- point. I said this on the men's side, of course, right? Because like a place where we did have our hands held quite well and like you knew it was Jade Cargill, right? Jade Cargill Jade, came You knew in. Jade was going to get that belt. 
you knew to the chagrin Jake- of to the chagrin of Megan, by the way. It was a yeah. thund- like thund- Thunder Rosa mark. I love Thunder Rosa. <laughs> I mean, literally, like the funny thing was, I asked the question in my head um, this past summer, and the TBS title was the answer to it. But I looked at the rankings and I saw Jade Cargill was undefeated. And I thought, how do you justify not giving her a world title match mm-hmm. with all of these wins? Unless you'd have to like, I don't know, bring in a second title or something. And then the second they announced the TBS title, I tweet. No, the second it was rumor when Andrew Zarian um, dropped the uh, the original rumor, um, or I guess he broke the story that the TBS title was coming. I tweeted immediately, oh, it's for Jay Cargo. And that wasn't just like a prediction or anything. That was more so a like strategic, okay, I look at the way everything's looking and I'm like, I know what Tony Khan's thinking. It's not gambling when you got the edge. Yeah, like I knew what Tony Khan was thinking. I was like, okay, what he's clearly thinking here is you've got Jade Cargill who uh, has to stay undefeated, but she can't stay undefeated and not become world champion. But we've got other plans for the world title. It's clear that, again, hand-holding. Britt Baker is the champion. You know that uh, Thunder Rose is behind her. So it's like we got to do something with Jade Cargill that prevent mm-hmm. that keeps her out of the title picture the world title picture, but keeps her strong. And like, look at the ranking. Sure enough, uh, she now gets removed, placed off to the side, uh, and the rankings can now function because it would break the rankings if she stayed yeah. undefeated right. and right. never, ever challenged for the title. So, because she would always be number one contender. So now she's not a contender at all anymore. She's got her own belt and she's off to the side. And then you can use that to continue to develop her. You can use that to continue mm-hmm. to um, have her... Uh, answer challenges because now all of a sudden the she's undefeated and she's got a belt so now beating jade cargill is twofold you beat her you get the gold and uh there's there's so much more there but yeah as far as jade cargill's concerned she was one that we had our hand held for you knew the moment she came in she had the match with Shaq and red velvet and cody mm-hmm. you just knew that uh and sorry i got I'm um, kind of a, an important related email. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, Love it. Breaking news. On, breaking news lot. <laughs> uh, that news I can't break just yet, but we just uh, know, some, we know something's going to happen. We trust You're it. holding we our hand and we telling us. We trust it. This, this is what day. I will say. Watch Grapsity this Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, youtube.com slash Fightful. Hey, there we go. Well, that's a perfect little run into our next segment. Um, Cheats uh, just launched the familypm.com. It's the podcast movement. Um, And we've got a lot of podcasts on our end. Um, And this is something Cheats been doing forever. So you two, let's chat podcasts. This is like something you both have been doing for years. Um, You're both really good at it. Um, I, I only do this because Cheats was like, hey, you want to jump on Instagram live? And I was like, sure, I'll talk about wrestling one night. And then <laughs> hey, this is where great, we are now. Um, <laughs> but this is like something both of you guys have been in for a while. So um, talk shop. Can, no, I, I, what, we, what we do here uh, at Wrestling Chat with Friends is we really want not only to talk, obviously, the current events of what's happening uh, in the ring, out of the ring on a week to week basis, but we want to introduce our friends to our audience and the world and get more of your background, how you got started, what you like to talk about. Uh, and your history will is so extensive. I mean, 17 years 
and podcasting. Long time. Um, and, and and particularly, basically, uh, we follow wrestling, and and it's and, and we're in a really great time for following wrestling. We're like one of the best times ever, right? I like, I think so. I thought twenty twenty one is that's a year that's going to go down in history. It's amazing. That's However, I like to say this: Will, you were podcasting before podcasting was cool. You were talking about wrestling where wrestling wasn't as universally cool as it mm-hmm. is now. So tell us how, like, just, just give us the, the short elevator story because you obviously can't go through 17 years, but how did it come about for you? Why this medium and how did it take off? Because like you said, now you're tied into all of the companies and working and having a bunch of friends and relationships in the uh, industry. Tell us the, the backstory of how you got here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, June 18th, 2005 was the first time I had done a podcast and, um, uh, (laughs) and I'll I'll always remember that date. I actually just recently listened to the episode. Awful. Uh, (laughs) Well, well, cause here's the thing I've been doing this 17 years, right? I'm 34. So we're talking half my life. Uh, and we're talking half my life ago that I, I, started doing all of this and i can't uh, math that fast so how old were you were you like was, a teenager with i was podcast? 17 i was 17 uh, that's awesome that's awesome and um uh, i actually lied on the show because uh for a long time um and long time my long time listeners and i have a lot of them uh but my long time listeners had noticed the inconsistencies and in how like i stayed one age for about four years just to like <laughs> catch myself back up because uh, when, originally I was like, nobody wants to hear a 17 year old. So I'm 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and like listening to it in hindsight, I'm like, I don't sound like I had the wisdom of a 20 year old at all. I definitely sounded like somebody like just out of high school. Um, <laughs> but because uh, it was like the day after I graduated high school, I was like done. Mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. But yeah, I was uh, it, podcasting wasn't cool at the time. As a matter of fact, podcasting. It's funny that when I say podcasting now. If I, I remember I had a really young coworker who I mentioned um, podcasting to, and I was talking about um, how people had to download podcasts to their iPod. And he was like, wait, that's the pod in podcast? I was like, yes, it is. Uh, because it was something that you, it was a pre-recorded talk type show that you listened to. And the funny thing is podcast was technically, it wasn't the, the discussion it was the way it was distributed but anyway it's now just become people talking um but we at the time i i was really into tech i'm still really into tech my my day-to-day job is that i'm a software developer i love tech this is what i do uh and i remember um tech tv had a show called the screensavers it later became attack of the show but they they took a live caller and uh, as a matter of fact, his name was Matt Bischoff. I remember that live caller. Um, he called in to the show and asked him to talk about podcasting. And uh, I remember one of the co-hosts, Martin Sargent was like, what podcasting? What is that? And Kevin Rose goes to look for what podcasting is. And, uh, and he accidentally types postcast and like uh, a porn pop-up comes up and it was hilarious. <laughs> and uh, everybody laughed and it was a it was a fun time and then they ended the show right there and I remember thinking wait they never answered what podcast was and so I went online and started looking at podcasts I'm like oh this is kind of cool 
Uh, and so I thought this is something I want to do, but what do I want to talk about? Um, I knew I wanted to talk about something. And uh, originally I wanted to do something about tech, but kind of all the podcasts around at the time were about tech. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, uh, talking tech's probably overdone. Uh, what else is there that I could uh, contribute to? And I thought, well, I know pro wrestling. I know pro wrestling really well. So I want to talk pro wrestling. And I happened to be a member of the uh, IGN Wrestling General Board at the time. And that was a message board that had hundreds of users at the time. Oh, wow. And so I had approached three other friends from that message board, um, Michael Z., Anthony Scats, Nick Marsico. I approached the three of them and I had asked them if they were interested in doing a podcast with me. They said, what's a podcast? Don't worry about it. You just show up on Skype. We'll talk. I record it. And then I put it out and we just put it out for the message board. And that was the original push was we just put it out for the board. Uh, And somehow it made its way outside of the board because Michael Z was also writing for a website that no longer exists called the DDT. And so he was also pushing it on the DDT and all of a sudden we had an audience from outside the board and people started coming to the board to talk about the show. And next thing you know, we have an audience and we have fans and, and we're doing this thing. And then we turned, uh, that became RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk, RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk. Um, then launch, and we were only the third ever wrestling podcast uh, at the time. Wow. So uh the other one was smart wrestling fan which is still around and another show called revenge of the wrestling fans which is no longer around so uh rbr went a long time and i did that show for 16 years i only uh just recently stopped doing it back in september uh and i did that in order to launch grapsity so uh yeah i've been podcasting a really long time i love talking and uh i love talking to people i i like having conversations with new people and it's uh for example for those that don't know these two here megan and cheats i've never spoken to them before an hour first, ago first time <laughs> before time. right now uh but i just i love talking to people i love talking to new people and it's it's always a blast and just podcasting is is something i have a blast doing uh for a little while in there in between hosting rbr weekly wrestling talk i also hosted a show called now playing now back in 2008 and hosted that from 2008 till I think 2012 uh we reviewed movies um so I did used to be a movie reviewer uh and yeah I I now produced podcasts left and right I used to produce um Mike Bennett and Maria Canellis's podcast both of them both their podcasts they did uh they had an original podcast Mike and Maria in Wonderland before they joined WWE and then they did uh non-essential wrestlers after uh they left WWE I produced both of those um and so i've got two i've got two questions okay um and and one you, you mentioned um already kind of in the narrative 16 years on a show that you founded in such a mm-hmm. long time and obviously you recently said goodbye to that to start gravity which is obviously a wonderful opportunity but tell us a little bit about just that decision making of something that you created and ran for 16 years to say, okay, it's time for me to move on or do something else, which also you're initially part of. So it's not like I'm leaving to do my own thing. You had your thing and now you left to do something bigger. Explain to us a little bit how that happened. Um, so 
really it was uh, just a combination of things. Um, and sorry, I'm responding to a really important text. No, it's uh, great. But it's great. It was a combination of things. Um, there was no uh, bitterness or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad the show is still running. Uh, I'm actually really glad the show is still running. Um, I haven't had a chance to catch it recently. I was on the the show for the year end awards just a few weeks ago. Um, and I actually went to Terminus with, um, with B-Rob who hosts the show. Uh, so, um, he, so I'm still friends with everybody there. Um, but for me, it was, uh, there was a number of things. One, I did feel like, and, and some listeners, uh, have mentioned that they could pick up on it, that I was very much, uh, the topic of, um, black representation in pro wrestling and uh and black fandom in pro wrestling was very much heavy on my mind and it almost kind of dominated um pretty much anything i would bring to the table as far as rbr was concerned and so i did feel like maybe i needed a different platform for that Uh, so there was that piece of it uh and then the other piece was um i i think i was just ready to to do something new. Um, and I, I absolutely love Reg and Phil. Um, I had done a couple of podcasts with them beforehand and really, as a matter of fact, it was September 11th, 2021, um, doing uh, a podcast with, uh, with Reg where at the end of the show we had done, uh, I was doing a little sideshow for my YouTube channel called wrestling with weekends. And I had done a show with, with reg and at the end of that episode reg says to me um yeah maybe one day me you and phil do something and that was where the light bulb went off and i thought yeah 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 we should (laughs) right yeah yeah, yeah. and (laughs) so i that following monday that was a saturday i spent all day sunday thinking about it monday i reached out to phil asked him what he thought uh and he was like i'm in and then i reached out to reg and i was like so remember that thing you said at the end of the show I think we should do that. And I was like, and Phil's already in. And so Reg was like, then I'm in too. And so uh, I said, all right, this is, this is it. And then the name Grapsity hit me um, while I was driving. And uh, we, we put the concept together. We figured out exactly what we wanted it to be, what we wanted to talk about, when we were going to do it. And then I took it, pitched it to Sean Ross Sapp, who I had already known. And uh, they were all in on the idea and, it became now you're on fightful and now it's became a whole a part thing. of fightful it's so dope it's so dope and um the the second one before we get back to regular schedule programming it's mm-hmm. just what you, what you said you like to meet people i know that you go to a ton of shows um whether it's indie shows or you know big productions here so over this course of obviously a, a very long time you've been able to um just just meet a ton of folks in the industry and you know not just talent but people around the business and so forth um and as podcasters and i just people that are just like um fans of your work and fans of like what what people do in wrestling media i guess the question is when did that become a thing for you like when did not not just going to a show and being a fan but going to a show and actually connecting with um personnel that would either be guests on your show or plugging in like you just mentioned you do a bunch of work for um, you know, people inside the business that are not, maybe not on camera, on camera, but you do a lot of work. How did how did that for you come about? Was that just a natural evolution, or is that something you intended to do when you set out? It was 
uh, it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, on one end, yeah, uh, it was a natural evolution in that, uh, you know, we had guests on RBR. One of the first people I interviewed was Colt Cabana. And then Colt Cabana turned around and started a podcast like right after. Uh, <laughs> He's like, so, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> great, so, great idea, Will. <laughs> yeah. But, except <laughs> just to throw a little thing at Colt Cabana, he kayfaved me on the podcast and didn't prepare me for that. And so, yeah, it was one of those, but that was a good lesson. It was a good lesson for a really young me. I was 18 at the time. And it was like, we had this list of questions prepared and, uh, but we were done thinking we were talking to Colt Cabana, the performer, and he comes on as Colt Cabana, the character. And, uh, and when that happened and he's like talking in character, I'm like, uh, uh, adjust, adjust, adjust. Because, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was kind of a natural evolution. And then one of the things that has made me feel really old and having done this for uh, 17 years is that there's a number of people in the business that have told me they grew up listening to the shows. Love <laughs> like, it. Don't. Love it. Uh, shout out Killer Kate, uh, who uh, reached out to me on my last episode and told me she had been listening and she was like in middle school and I was like oh don't tell me that um and you know I uh Robbie Fox of Barstool you know he listened to us when he was uh I, I we gave him his first break uh on a podcast uh he listened to us when he was a a wee teenager and uh he ended up we ended up bringing him on for um we, were, he, we wanted to do an MMA podcast and we did Into the Octagon and we did that. And then he ended up getting picked up by Barstool and then he's become kind of a, a star in his own right. But yeah, it just became, uh, I, I've had friends behind the scenes in WWE who have told us that um, they listened to us 10 years ago and uh they've taken and, and i love that because it always feels like in that sense we've had a little bit of influence in a lot of ways so dope. because uh you know when when somebody who's in wwe creative tells us that they uh grew up listening to our show or were listening to it 10 years ago or whatever and they took our critiques and and uh it helped mold them into uh creative mind for pro wrestling i love hearing that right uh because sometimes and, and to hear it from wrestlers too, because I'm not a pro wrestler. I've never been a pro wrestler. I'm related to one and he's really good, uh, but I'm not a pro wrestler. But one of the things that uh, I was just talking to my dad about yesterday is that sometimes um, I think one of the things we offer as pro wrestling analysts is um, a, a perspective from outside of the weeds that sometimes when you're um, in pro wrestling, you can... Uh, you tend to see things not through the eyes of a fan and it helps to see things through the eyes of a fan. It helps to see it as a viewer because sometimes you'll think that something's working and it may not be clicking for somebody. Uh, and uh, a good example of that is, is I was talking with my cousin one day who is a pro wrestler and um, he and I had a discussion about um, a show we had watched. We had both watched it. It was a really good show. Uh, not going to say what show it was, but we had both watched it. And uh, he asked me what my favorite match on the show was. And I told him and he was like, whoa, that one. And, uh, and he told me what his favorite match was. And I was like, 
that one and uh and he was like oh i liked it because you know all the the fundamentals were right and you know i just felt like it was it was good pure wrestling and i was like i liked the other one because i was entertained and uh and again it's that that disconnect right that sometimes um people in wrestling can kind of miss uh exactly what the viewer is seeing and so it i do think that what we provide as analysts is is a good thing i think that sometimes we get and i say we um because i i want to make sure i take responsibility for the collective because sometimes uh we can kind of overvalue what we bring to the table and and think that um we have any i guess right to tell wrestlers how they should be and what they should be doing whereas i think that uh really what we should be bringing to the table is solely um, just our perspective as viewers, because that's all we are. We're viewers. Um, And uh, it's a good perspective to bring because ultimately that's what you're after is more viewers. Um, But at the same time, it it helps to just remember that that's who we are. Um, Well, may we all be marks for life. That's, that's where I want to stay, right? Like always. I'm enjoying being a mark. I will, I will do my job. I'm going to sit in the audience. I'm going to boo. I'm going to clap and I'm going to enjoy this show. Um, and I, I do really appreciate that uh, perspective. And I think that that kind of moves me into what I wanted to talk about um, next, which is something we've been seeing uh, at AW recently is bad fans. Um, we had one last night for Mox. Uh, there has been some not great responses to, to Nyla. So what's the right answer? Like, what do we, what do we do? Do we just have to like collectively be like, boo, you suck. Like, don't be so shitty. Or like, is it, is the right response? Like letting the wrestler call them out from the ring. Um, like, like, how do we respond to that? Cause we're starting to see it more and more. And, and I really kind of pains me to see, cause I'm like, that's, that's not us. That's, we love you. Don't, don't do that. And it's but hard because I don't work themselves into a shoot. <laughs> cause I don't feel like these are actual fans of the show. Uh, and I say that because like, look at the guy, um, the, the Nyla Rose guy, look at yeah. all his signs uh, that he had before the Nyla Rose sign. The other yeah. sign he had said, um, the undisputed era is greater than the Hardly Boys. And yeah. there's only one person who's gotten by using the term Hardly Boys, and that's Jim Cornette. Uh, yeah. And so we know that this is a guy who definitely picks up his, his views and opinions there. Thing is, Jim Cornette, not an AEW fan. Um, he's liked yeah. a little bit of their stuff lately, but for the most part, that guy doesn't like AEW. Um, yeah. And he has rallied his troops against it. And there's, there's a contingency of people who would spend their money, their hard-earned money, assuming they work for it, um, but they will spend their money to go to something that they hate, that go to something that they're there to troll. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that fan was one of those those types of people. The guy who ran in uh, at Road Rager in Miami, I was there. The guy who ran in uh, and tried to get Chris Jericho um, during mm-hmm. his entrance. That guy then jumped on Twitter and was like, hey, Vince Russo, he tagged Vince Russo and Jim Cornette and was like, hey, you guys, I did this for you. You know, I do think that it's somewhat rooted in um, the the tribalistic idea that uh, we have to take these companies down, that it's not just, hey, I don't like this, um, so I'm just not going to watch it. It's, hey, I don't like this and people need to know I don't like it. So I'm going to go there because, again, 
I don't know that the the guy from last night, the John Moxley guy, was um, a Jim Cornette guy, for example. But I know the Jim Cornette rallies or his rails against Moxley all the time. Um, I think I don't. Does listen he call to him, him a piece of trash or a garbage or anything like that? Because I don't. What, I, I don't no, I, what is it? He calls him a balding plumber. I think is his go-to line for him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I only ever see Jim Cornette stuff in clips that people send. Yeah. Me. But uh, but again, the, either way. I'm not even pointing that one at him, but I'm pointing it at the fact that there is a uh, there are fans online who, uh, you know, who through the, the Twitter accounts like AEW botches and and things like yeah. that. You know, there was that uh, there was that the uh, the moron who brought um, the sign for the troll accounts on Twitter uh, to, to celebrate them. And I just thought. You spend all of your time on Twitter trashing this show and you bought a front row ticket to put up a sign to about... get kicked out in like yeah. one match. Right. Like, I hope you enjoyed dark. Like, I hope that was good. Like, <laughs> and, and, like and, go and, I, now. and I just feel like uh, I think a lot of it is this culture of just wanting to be heard because uh, I because I say that to say. The guy who got kicked out last night from Moxley. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's owned up to it yet. However, uh, I will say that the Nyla Rose guy, he felt like mission accomplished. He felt like he didn't even care if he didn't see the rest of the show. He made a statement and it was mission accomplished for him. The guy who got kicked out of uh, uh, the guy who jumped the rail at, at Road Rager. For him, he felt like mission accomplished, even if he was on screen for two seconds. To him, it was mission accomplished. The John Moxley heckler last night. Uh, he got acknowledged on TV. He's going to feel like mission accomplished. And I feel like, I don't know what the right answer is because if we shout these guys down, they're going to feel like, you know, it's the old meme of, uh, have you seen that meme of the guy who's like pissing his pants and everybody's pointing at him and he's like, rent free. Um, And (laughs) and because, you know, it's like, uh, while we may think the answer is, you know, oh, let's, Let's chastise them. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to feel like I'm living rent free in their heads. They're mm-hmm. acknowledging me. So I, I don't know what the answer is because it just seems like these people want to make themselves a part of the programming and make themselves a part of the show in a really disruptive way. And the problem is it works because that guy was the topic of discussion. As far as he's concerned to his friends, he got John Moxley to acknowledge him. He got people to talk about it on Twitter. He got John Moxley to drop an F-bomb on TBS. Uh, so I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how you fix this. Uh, yeah. And I wish I did uh, because it sucks. It really sucks. And I I do think it should go away because the, there was also the, the guy who called Powerhouse Hobbs Big E the other week and um, – I don't know what you do about any of this, uh, but I, I wish it would go away. Me too. I think it's like, it kind of goes back to what you were saying about like, you know, like we have a role to play and it's not that like our job is to be there to enjoy the show. We're supposed to boo. We're supposed to cheer, but like something I've always enjoyed, like cheats and I both kind of admitted to you that we, we work in politics outside of this. And what I've always enjoyed about wrestling is like, 
there's not so much thought that has to go into it. Like I know when I'm supposed to boo. I know when I'm supposed to cheer. I don't have to put a lot of thought into like, who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? AEW even puts them out of different tunnels for me. So I don't have to think about it. Right. Like I'll tell you though, it throws me off every time they're in a arena where the hard camera is on the other side. So they have to reverse the tunnels and I see yeah. a heel come out of the, the right side of my screen. And I'm like, Oh no, they're turning. Yeah. I'm like, did they turn? Like, I'm so adjusted to it. It completely throws yeah. me off. But yeah, so like, like we have a place and we have a place as part of the show. And like, I'm a performer too. So like, it matters, like the energy matters and, and feeding off of that, like definitely helps them like have better matches and helps them get better into their promos. But like, not that part, like the, the booing and the cheering and the doing what we're supposed to politely. <laughs> as yeah, a Well, like there was like, like a, a section of people, for example, during Cody's promo yesterday who were trying to chant, shut the fuck up at him, right? And uh, and like the crowd started booing those people because they're like, this is a promo. Um, yeah. What else is he supposed to do? Uh, and like, it'd be one thing if it's like an MJF type thing where MJF um, like can egg that on because that's yeah. part of his character. But like, I don't know. I was kind of interested in what Cody had to say. So uh, Cody's Absolutely. not my favorite wrestler, but I was like, I do want to see exactly what's being said here. And I felt like, he like the shouting during that promo was and, and the fans were finally like kind of shouting them down of like hey stop we're like trying to hear this uh, <laughs> and I mean, maybe there know. is some like self-policing that needs to go on like i think uh for me it's funny you started out on the boards because like one of the things that i've i have come to and come away from so many times is the like internet wrestling community right because it can be so just like toxic and draining to even like participate in it um because there are people that are kind of terrible and like their whole i don't even know why they watch like they watch too shit on the product and I'm like i don't i don't get it like do do something else like find something you like um, but to see that kind of bleed over into the actual productions has been not that great. It's made me a little sad. Not yeah. going to lie. Um, so that actually brings us, are we, Cheats, when do we actually go on the air? Because you know I'm always watching our time. Like, it's my job to keep us on on time. Uh, are we way over? No, no. I think we're, we're getting there, but we're not over yet. Okay, so that brings us to how we always end the week, um, which is we always end with our heel of the week, right? And usually it's non-wrestling related, but I can't be non-wrestling related this week because that dude at the thing that, well, I don't know, kind of made it better for me because it was a very Mox moment. But, and I, I think this was my heel of the week last time I had a heel of the week. It was, it's the IWC. It's the the people that that are trolling, that are coming. The guy last night, um that that dared chant at John Moxley. We all knew he was coming back. Like be nicer. Be nicer, people. You, sir, are my heel of the week, Mr. Anonymous Screamer Man. Cheats, what do you got? Uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of options. And so, and just so we'll knows, we do go outside of the ring for this. So it's supposed to be your yeah. heel of the week outside of outside. It of is, week. but I couldn't do it this but week. But I understand. I understand. Um, but obviously, as you guys know, we just, um, celebrated, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, holiday. Obviously his birthday was over the weekend. Um, one of the things outside of, uh, shows like this is I'm a huge, like civil rights movement, uh, like huge, it's Mark, is Mark the right word? <laughs> I'm, yeah, a huge civil mark right, look, civil I'm a huge movement. civil rights movement, Mark. And, and, and like history is uh, of that, uh, of that time period 
in the history of that that fight for equality um, and how it kind of applies to today is always something that I'm always thinking about. It's always in uh, the forefront of my mind. And so it's ironic that we go through, obviously, Dr. King's birthday, we go through the holiday celebration, and then we get to uh, this week where we are unable to successfully pass voting rights. Like, if there's things... I'm talking about the United States. The United <sighs> States Congress is not able to pass voting rights. And so the challenge that I think all of us face in regards to where we are now is trying to kind of rectify and justify what modern day kind of like fights for justice and equality look like. And so I say all that to say, if anything that anyone should universally be able to agree on is that everybody should be able to vote. Everybody. everybody should have should it's like the biggest no-brainer of no-brainers and if you fact- don't want people to vote then i question your message because right. it's clear that you don't think you can win everybody else over sure. and so yeah. therefore you want less people to be able to vote absolutely. and i think <laughs> absolutely no you're exactly right so my heel of the week my heel of the week outside of the ring is all of the people that voted against the Voting Rights Act and the people that supported the people that vote against the Voting Rights Act, because if we can't agree on anything in this climate, in this country, it should be that everybody should have the right to vote. So there you have it, Megan. Bang. Um, you can't say it because you're national, but I'm state, so I will. He means Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. I'm not going to get you in trouble with your boss. No, see, here's the thing. Here's, here's the, the thing. The heel of the week. Here's the thing. You, obviously, those two have gotten a lot of press, and, I, and I'm not happy. However, mm-hmm. there was also, you know, 49, 50 other people that voted against that. And you I think, think we'll, mid- we'll, hit, we'll hit it right on the head. Um, if you're trying to subtract people to win your argument, you have a flawed argument. If you can, if you can add people, I want to be at the table where we add all as many people as possible, different perspectives, and see if we can get to a resolution. If the only way you can win is to say these people can't participate, then you have a flawed argument, and that's where we are with this. Absolutely. Well, Mitch McConnell did say that African Americans vote as much as Americans. Americans. <laughs> that was today. That was today. Yep. yep. Thanks, Mitch. Good old Mitch. <laughs> okay, Will. So we'll have. The, we don't want to put him on the spot. Sure. Does he have a heel of the week? Outside Do you have a heel of the week? Uh, sure. I'll go with two. <laughs> um, I have because uh, I have one inside wrestling and one outside. My okay. one inside wrestling both. is whoever decided that Walter needed a new name. Oh um, my god! And boom, good one. Uh, and not just that, but decided he needed a new name three years into his WWE career. It's not like this is a guy who isn't a title or is, didn't have the longest reign with a title no, uh, already. who hasn't had uh match after match after match. Like uh, as, as my buddy, Paul Griffin likes to ask, why does nobody in this company ever like say, why, why is this happening? Because I, I, I logically let's forget about all of the things you know about pro wrestling. Let's just take the show at face value. Logically, Walter having won as many matches as he's won. Why, after this one particular match, would he stop and go, actually, my name is Gunther? Like, so you mean to tell me that for three years we've just been getting your name wrong? Is that what, what's mm-hmm. happening here? Um, why? No, but why? 
so there's that one. Uh, my non-wrestling and non-human um, <laughs> heel of the week is actually, heels. Uh, is actually uh, COVID-19, uh, mainly because it's kind of ravaged my household. I'm oh, somehow wow. the only one who didn't get it. But uh, oh, wow. my wife got it. Mm-hmm. My daughter got it. My son got it mm. all this week. Stay and in I would, your, your like, I would, producing uh, hole. That's safe. Stay there. I <laughs> Stay went to an office. indie show this weekend. <laughs> you were uh, at Terminus. <laughs> I was at Terminus. I was in the front row. You see Mike Bennett give me a hug during his entrance, um, which, as I mentioned, I produced this podcast. Uh, but um, I... Nothing. 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 But uh, my... My son's back at school as of today, so happy for that. My daughter, on the other hand, like everybody in her class got it and they ended up sending like the whole grade home. So uh, that's an issue. And then my wife's like not feeling good. And all of a sudden I was just like, what is going on here? Uh, So yeah, COVID-19, you are the heel of the decade. Like, I can't tell you how many times uh, since the show has started, like it's been, it was Delta. Now it's Omicron. Like every uh, couple of weeks, COVID nineteen is the heel of the it's week. It's been so universally a heel of the week because it just stops the world. Can can I ask for one point of privilege with Will? Just one, because sure. I know we got to go. But uh, since Ty's not here, we we don't have to do his match. Oh, can you, true. Can, can you give us just a quick two minutes about your feeling reaction about Terminus? Because I talked about it as my as my pop of the week. You were there. What, yes, I what, was there. What um, did you think of yeah, Terminus? Yeah, so it, um, it was it was a hoot. Uh, you know, being there in person, uh, being there front row, um, and of course, you know, I've had Baron Black on on my shows, um, and love Baron Black, love Jonathan Gresham. Uh, I thought that uh, they they did a great job, kind of pooling together the the talent of the world, right? Because, you know, we had impact represented there. Moose was literally on the card and brought the impact world championship. Um, and I like the ideas, honestly, uh, as a basketball fan, I have to say technical fouls in pro wrestling. Cool concept. Uh, <laughs> and, um, like two technical fouls and you're disqualified. I see. And I like that it was two because it like adds stakes, right. Of like, um, Hey, you did a thing do that one more time you're disqualified and like the uh i enjoyed that i enjoyed some of the concepts the matches of course were great um the uh but like i said i love that it was kind of a a celebration of multiple companies because AEW is represented there impact was represented ring of honor was represented there uh and atlanta has a really great um wrestling pedigree when you think about the fact that uh that's kind of you know, as far as AEW is concerned, Jacksonville's their home, but like Atlanta is very much their home um, because you know that's where the Nightmare Factory is. That's where uh, that's where Cody's from. There's so there's a lot there, and uh, to really revitalize their indie wrestling scene and kind of give them a flagship promotion in Atlanta, I think is a great thing. Um, and yeah, I love how much representation was there. Um, I love how much. Uh, just fun it was and uh, I like that everybody just wanted to see it succeed and everybody was willing to lend a hand and make it happen and yeah for Mike Santana to show up at the end there that was cool uh, that was that I, I was a su- that, coming. 
I wasn't surprised. I didn't see him anywhere around, and all of a sudden he comes out. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, I also thought Shook D and Faye Jackson did a great job emceeing um, before the, the show began. Faye's always fun to be around, uh, and she'll always make you laugh. Um, so will Shook D, though. They're, they're, those guys are great. Uh, and looking forward to the next one. I won't be able to make the next one, um, but as you can see, um, Shane Strickland uh, Swerve was just announced. Uh, to be a part of that show. So, yeah, I think it's really great for Atlanta's uh, indie wrestling scene, and I'm excited to see what they do. Well, Ty normally gives us a match of the week to watch, so now you have an entire show to watch that Will has recommended for you. And here at Wrestling Chat with Friends, we never leave without putting our friends over. So, Will, where can our people be your people. Where can they follow you? Where? Well, I know they can catch you on Fightful, but like, where else can they follow you? Where can they catch these hot takes on a weekly basis? Uh, my Twitter account is at William RBR. Uh, and also, yeah, you can find me on Grapsity, uh, which our Twitter account for that is Grapsity Pod. That's G-R-A-P-S-O-D-Y-P-O-D. Uh, we air every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We are at YouTube.com slash Fightful. Uh, and again, you'll definitely want to tune in this Saturday. We're on this Saturday. Uh, we got it because we got to be there. It's like a we gotta, big. Yeah, we got to be listening. Coming. Yeah, because uh, big news, breaking big news. Thing, yep, big things uh, are happening. Uh, and yeah, YouTube.com/slash/fightful. That's the, those are the big ones. Of- of course, uh, let's not forget that in February, Who We Are will be dropping from AEW, um, and Will is is going to be a big part of that, and his production is going to be amazing. He can't tell you who he's working for, but I can tell you there's cowbells. So That's true. I, 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 <laughs> that's true. I, as I was working on some music beforehand, there's cowbells in, cowbells. in one of the songs I'm working on. Uh, well, so. I got a fever. There's only one cure. More cowboy. More cowboy. Okay. Well, WCWF is never over until we count it out. So one, two, three. We'll catch you next week. Thank you so much, Will, for being with us. Thank you all for tuning in. We love you, and we'll see you then.